Whether you're having a not moving off the couch while you watch the game kind of day, or a no time between conference calls kind of day, it can still be a delicious Dunkin' kind of day. And with Dunkin' now available on DoorDash, it's easier than ever to get your faves brought right to your door. So if you're looking for coffees, donuts, and breakfast sandwiches in the morning, craving some afternoon snack and bacon, or in need of Dunkin' refreshers for a PM pick-me-up, we've got you covered. Order now and get your faves brought to your door through Grubhub, Uber Eats, and DoorDash. Price and participation may vary. Exclusions apply. America runs on Dunkin'. Hike the trail? Check. Order takeout? Check. Schedule heart checkup? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. Welcome back to another edition of Two Up Front, presented by ShopFutsal.com. I'm Baxter Colburn. And this is Simon Provan. All right, Simon. Now we get to have a wonderful interview on the show, a man that we both know very well. We've chatted with him multiple times. He's known around the great state of Wisconsin and the Midwest as Mr. Soccer. He's a member of the Illinois Soccer Hall of Fame. If you've ever been to a Chicago Fire game, I'm sure you've heard the legends of the great Mr. Peter Wilt. And now he's back here on the program with us again. Peter, good afternoon, sir, and welcome back to Two Up Front. Thank you very much, back, Simon. Thanks for having me on. Well, we are excited to have you back, Peter. And uh, a couple months ago, we had you on the show. We were talking about uh, your your new project. After you, you decided the Chicago Fire wasn't enough, so you decided to bring another soccer team to the Chicago area. What updates do you have for us on uh, Chicago NASL? Well, it's a, a number of parallel paths that we keep uh, pushing along. And I think we're making progress on all of them. Uh, and certainly the promotional efforts trying to get more people locally connected with the team and, and that's going well uh, we're getting uh, we're soliciting information from fans uh, to find out what they want the team to be called where they want the team to play what they want the colors of the team to be and uh, they can uh, give us their input on our website which is Chicago nasl.com and then we're also um, lining up uh, investors on a couple of different levels. You know, the, the lead investors, we have two, uh, real good candidates that are ready to, uh, to be on board. We have a number of minority strategic investors and that process is moving very well. And then we have something that is somewhat unique to American soccer and that's, uh, supporters, uh, investors. So, um, a supporters trust creation of that. Uh, really is, is unique in American soccer. It's a more commonplace in Europe and Latin America. But we've been making progress with new legislation in the state of Illinois, and we hope to be able to roll it out in June. Excellent. Uh, well, one of the things that yeah, we we're talking about uh, off-air, Baxter and I, is we're looking through and seeing that originally – the idea was to have a uh, spring 2017 start, and of course, NASL announced an expansion team in San Francisco, the Deltas. So spring 2017 season is just under 12 months from now. Is 2017 still looking like the start? Are you going to probably push that back a year, or what are your thoughts on that, Peter? Uh, we could still hit 2017. Uh, we'll, we'll need a June uh, or at latest a July approval. Uh, but the league is, uh, the league owners are meeting in June 
and their approval, I believe, is pretty much contingent on us uh, solidifying a venue deal. So we continue to talk with a couple of major venues, including uh, Soldier Field, and if we can move that along to the point where we have a memorandum of understanding signed, uh, I believe that will be enough to get us approved by the NASL Board of Governors, and that gives us, you know, a full uh, 10 months to uh, uh, before we kick off. And when we started the Chicago Fire in 1998, we actually launched those efforts in July of 97. So we were able to do it with nine months. And in a lot of ways, we already have our, 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 our ramp started. Uh, when we launched the website uh, several months ago, that was uh, the beginning of creating interest in the team. Uh, so I, I don't have any worry that if we get league approval in June, we'll be able to launch in 2017. If it goes much longer than that, though, uh, then you're right. We'll probably be looking at either a fall of 2017, sir, or spring of 2018. And what, what do you see are the differences between prepping uh, an MLS team for a season versus prepping an NASL scene? I shouldn't say for a season. I mean for, for a launch. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just a one-and-done yeah, kind of you thing. Know, yeah. There's a lot of more commonalities than there are differences. And I think the differences may be, in comparing the fire and the Chicago NASL effort, the differences are more due to um, the difference of time. I mean, we are about 19 years separating the two efforts, and it's a world of difference in the status of professional soccer in America now than it was two decades ago. So I, I don't think the difference is because of the league. I think the difference is because of the the media that's available uh, now versus 19 years ago, and also the uh, audience. Uh, when we started the Chicago Fire, the the number or at least percentage of of Chicagoans that were passionate and knowledgeable about soccer was a fraction of what there is now. Uh, and then, you know, the medium is different. The Internet was really just ramping up. Uh, social media was virtually non-existent. And getting the word out was more a matter of using traditional expensive media uh, by way of buying television ads and full-page newspaper ads uh, than it is now. So it's uh, different tactics, uh, different efforts, and... Different audiences. Well, one thing I'm curious about, Peter, is we're talking here with Peter Wilt from Chicago NASL here on Two Up Front. One thing I'm interested about is the the three venues that you have at least listed right now. You've got Soldier Field, Wrigley Field, and U.S. Cellular Field. If right now, if the Chicago Fire are struggling to even fill their soccer-specific stadium, how do you guys plan to fill a, a bigger stadium than that, or at least be comparable to numbers to make sure that you're actually making enough money to, you know, kind of even out your profits by trying to fill a bigger venue? Yeah. Well, it, we really want to play in a major league venue. I think that's important to the credibility of the organization, of the team, and to become relevant with the fan base. So that does limit limit us. There's not an ideal venue uh, capacity-wise in the city of Chicago, which is where we're committed to play. Uh, so that, that leaves us with three oversized venues, as you noted. 
there's um, a few ways to address it. One is by not trying to sell out the entire stadium. Uh, like when we were with the fire and playing at Soldier Field, the stadium can be downsized. Sure, uh, yep. you can We see that with the Sounders, too. They do that a lot, yeah. Absolutely. And I think in Soldier Field's case, we would first sell the east side and the south side. And um, you can uh, create uh, almost a, a false intimacy by grouping all the fans in, in one area. Uh, it doesn't eliminate that issue, but it minimizes it. Mm-hmm. It also cuts down on your expenses by only having to hire ushers and security and concession workers for certain parts of, of, of the venue. Uh, and means that to fill as much of it as possible. You know, I think there's been a real groundswell of support uh, for this uh, yet unnamed team. And I think uh, we may surprise some naysayers when they see how many people really do come out to these games. Peter, you just you just threw me a great softball for a question I want to ask you about. Uh, speaking of attendance, uh, one of the things that we saw in the NASL openers this season was quite a few of them were down, uh, overall down by 37% league-wide. So one of the questions people have asked us about, or specifically me, and said, hey, can, if you get a chance, can you ever ask Peter this question? So I'm going to ask you, why the NASL over, for example, the USL? What's the, what's the thought process there? Uh, it's a matter of ambition. The NASL wants to be a first division league. Um, we're aiming for the highest heights. Uh, USL is a, a minor league. It's a development league. It's a, essentially a farm league. Uh, and that's fine. It's, it's important. It serves an important role in American soccer to develop players. But that's not what the North American Soccer League is about. And that's not what the Chicago NASL team wants to be. We want to play at the highest level. Uh, we want to be, uh, a first division team. And that's, uh, I totally get that. One of the things I'm, I'm wondering about, I, I'd love to hear your thoughts on NASL chasing that division one status. And, and in that respect, basically going after MLS a bit, um, is that obviously you feel, you know, with the team that, that you've got, that you're looking to have down in Chicago, is that in the best interest of, of soccer in the U S is having two division one leagues competing with each other ultimately a good thing for, for the game in, in this country. Oh, yeah. I think in any business, competition is good. It um, improves. It, it allows the cream to rise to the top. It forces everyone uh, to, uh, to improve their product and to behave better. And in Chicago, I think our presence has already increased the passion that Chicago Fire fans have for their team. Uh, fans have been passive for the last half decade or so, once we announced our efforts, uh, became more active and more passionate. And then on the field, I think once we get going uh, and we put together a team that can compete with any team in this country, I think that's going to force uh, other teams in other leagues to improve their rosters as well. You know, it's not all that different than what the AFL and NFL went through in the 60s or with the ABA, and the NBA went through in the 70s. And it's uh, something that will be positive for the sport in this country. 
Is this with this team, Peter? Is it possible to see kind of what we're seeing right now in LA or New York with the fact that they have two professional teams in the same league? Is that something that if MLS were to come to you guys at some point in the next, you know, five or ten years and say, "Hey, we want to upgrade you guys to MLS instead of in this NASL district," is that something that might be a possibility? Yeah, it's kind of funny. Every, every, it's kind of funny. Everyone assumes that you know, five, ten years from now. MLS is still going to be the better league of the two. <laughs> there's nothing that's written that True. says yeah, the NASL absolutely. will be the better league. I mean, there's no salary cap in the NASL. Um, there's no collective bargaining agreement, so we can't have one. Uh, but the NASL is, is big ambition. And with the right broadcast agreements and um, the right ownership and the right management and the right stadium location, uh, there's no reason the NASL... Uh, in some or all markets, can't be uh, the bigger, better league. So maybe five or ten years from now, there'll be some MLS owners saying, huh, maybe we should be in that league. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. No, that's that's definitely something to keep an eye on. And I know I feel like sometimes the NASL is kind of swept under the rug like, oh, that's cute. You guys do what you're going to do over there. But you never know. As you mentioned, this could be a, the quiet giant that's just, you know, continuing to grow behind the scenes. And then in, you know, a year or two. Yeah, I know or that five. sounds ridiculous right now. And I apologize for cutting you off. Beth, no, no, no. You, you, you look at other sports. You know, baseball, when the American League started in 1901, it was the Rebel League. It was the Wildcat League mm-hmm. that was taking on the old grandfather um, National League, which has been around for 25 years at that point. They have a designated hitter in that league. It's so weird. (laughs) Yeah. And the American League ended up uh, becoming a better league. Certainly in the 1920s and 30s, um, the American League champion dominated the National League champion in the World Series. ABA and the NBA. The two leagues finally merged. Uh, the year after they merged the All-Star game, it was almost half ABA players. Mm. And uh, there's no reason that, um, uh, you know, a decade from now, we can't see the same thing happening in American soccer. Fair enough. One thing's for sure, Peter, when these teams get up and running, when the Chicago NASL team gets up and running, that'll be a great Open Cup derby between uh, – your team and the fire. <laughs> yeah, no, that's for sure. And the way they're grouping open cup. In fact, it's funny you should mention that as we speak. I'm uh, driving to Cincinnati for a second round U.S. Open Cup game uh, between FC Cincinnati and Indy 11 MCFL. Ah. Uh, and that, 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 that David versus Goliath thing that we're going to see tonight, a fourth division team uh, taking on a third division team, is the type of thing that makes that tournament so special. And in Chicago... Uh, since the two teams would be in two different leagues, the only time they would play against each other in meaningful competition would be in the U.S. Open Cup. And the way that, that U.S. soccer groups opponents, they do it geographically. So uh, very likely in most years, the two teams would play each other. And it would be a great rival, a great um, uh, event. And I could see that may be one way that we would still Field. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Peter. Well, good luck on the uh, the game tonight. I don't know if John Bush will be there to bail you guys out, though, against a, uh, a fiery uh, FC Cincinnati team. But uh, have a safe trip, and thank you so much for taking some time here on 2 Up Front with us today. 
Thank you, guys. My pleasure. Absolutely. All right. Thanks, Peter. Peter Wilt, the new man in charge of the Chicago NASL project down in Chicago. Go and check out their website, chicagonasl.com. Cast your vote on their survey as well and let them know your thoughts if you are in the Chicago area. We are going to run to a break. We are going to run to a break if Simon doesn't mute me. And uh, we'll talk about so much more when we come back on Two Up Front, right back after this. Police officers know it only takes a few seconds of someone texting and driving for things to go terribly wrong. That's why officers are increasing enforcement of texting and driving laws. So put your phone down when driving, or be prepared for the consequences. You drive, you text, you pay. Paid for by NHTSA. Me, 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 but also you. (laughs) The Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxwain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 